Good morning, church family. Welcome. Thank you for joining us for worship today. Uh, this is not the way that I had hoped to be joining you uh, today, um, but it is what it is. As one of my friends says, it is what it is. Uh, we have, of course, canceled services in person for today uh, to do this by video uh, with the increase of um, COVID cases, uh, both in our church family and in our community. A lot of our folks who are out, um, uh, we thought it was prudent to uh, take a kind of a week reset and week delay. Uh, I will be the first to confess to you uh, that was very difficult for me uh, and hard for me, not something that I wanted to do, um, but a uh, uh, decision that we all made collectively. Uh, and I appreciate those of you um, suggesting that we do it and those of you who are patient while we do it. Um, uh, let me just say something about that real quickly before we get into our service today, because I do want to spend the bulk of our time together doing what we should be doing, and that is worshiping and looking at God's Word. But just a matter of housekeeping, a couple of things. Uh, if you are not on the text uh, email alert for the church, uh, not the prayer uh, text, that's a different one, and we're so grateful to Terry doing that, um, but the uh, church text alerts then would you please, uh, right now, as a matter of fact, if you can, text your information, Just you can just text and say, it's me, put me on the list, uh, to the church number 864-288-1626. Okay, it's the church phone number. You can text that number too. And we'll get you on the list. Um, texting and also our email list uh, are going to be very critical that you're on those lists to get quick updates from the church if things change like this week, uh, and even for inclement weather, which we may or may not get this season, we'll see. Uh, it's important that you're on those lists, and we will uh, continue to do the best that we can with communicating, of course, through social media and the website, email blasts and texts and all that. So that's uh, number one as a way of housekeeping. Number two, um, I was very... Um, uh, leery uh, and really didn't want to, I guess is just the easiest way to say it, uh, canceling in-person services. Um, folks, you, you know how important it is that we meet together. Uh, and I've stressed even, I think last week, I even said, don't come if you're sick. Um, but sometimes we don't even know we're sick, So, uh, which is the case with our family. Uh, you don't even know you've got it uh, till sometimes several days uh, after the fact. So, um, so anyway, I hate to, to cancel services and not have service. Um, uh, it, it slows things down, slows, I think the mission of God down to some degree. Our church has done phenomenal. You've done phenomenal over these last now 10 months or so. Who would have thought when COVID started that almost a year later, we would still be talking about it. Um, uh, it is very, uh, weary, uh, for all of us, I'm sure. Uh, so um, anyway, I want you to know that not meeting in person is a big decision and not one that we take lightly. Um, uh, most churches, generally speaking, and ours sometimes fits this category. Again, I think we're above average, and praise God for you and for that over the last year. But it takes a lot of work to get back into the flow, even if in the wintertime when we have a, we might potentially have a snow or ice Sunday where we cancel services, 
it takes a while to to get the momentum back of fellowship together and being about the things God's called us to do. So, um, so uh, I want you to know that because it's important. Um, uh, most uh, most businesses and and the churches to some degree of business it is a ministry, uh, but most organizations I'll use that word, um, uh, you know, do their work uh, in the bulk of their people. Uh, during the work week, five days a week. Most of us have five days a week. The church, we've got maybe an hour, maybe two on Sunday with you. So when we cancel a service, it has great repercussions for the whole week. And for us, even back in the late spring of last year, when we had several weeks, uh, four or five weeks, six weeks, I think, where we did not have services in person, um, it, it, it does... Uh, not irreparable damage, uh, thankfully, to our church, but for many churches, it has done irreparable damage, churches that will not ever open again. Um, and that's just because of, it, again, it is what it is, the consistency of meeting in person and all that goes uh, along with that. So so this is our plan for this Sunday. Um, some of you maybe have already asked, I know I've already gotten some emails and texts, well, what's the plan for next Sunday? Our plan as of this morning, Sunday morning, January 17th, is next Sunday we will be back together. Uh, and we have a very special Sunday next Sunday that's been on the books for a while. Adrian Dupre uh, will be here to speak. We have our men's breakfast uh, in the sanctuary. Uh, we will social distance. We will have hand sanitizers. We will have masks available and encourage you to use all those methods to protect yourself. Um, but he will be here, uh, former chaplain for the University of South Carolina Gamecocks, uh, and he will be here for the men's breakfast in our service. We also have our missions council meeting next Sunday, the 24th at 4.30. Uh, and also we have a, um, I've been telling you as a church family, uh, I need to update you on a couple of things here, so bear with me. We're going to get into the message. I've been telling you as a church family about a couple of items that our church needs to be thinking about for the future. One of those is in regards to our church safety. Um, uh, we are probably at the average of what most churches are doing, uh, which would be below average when it comes to safety standards that we need to have an effect for a church of our size to be gathering. And so I've been mentioning the last several months, if you've missed it, uh, uh, I've been mentioning our need to especially keep our church safe when we're worshiping and especially our children safe. And so we're beginning those steps even this week uh, while we're meeting here in churches. Uh, our services canceled for the remainder of this week. The next activity we'll have will be next Sunday, the 24th. During this week, behind the scenes, we are making those first steps on uh, keeping our church safe, which is going to involve um, locks and keys, uh, some updating on our locks and keys for external, uh, our external doors and internal doors. And then we're going to start thinking about uh, things like first aid kits, medical things that we should have uh, at our church, uh, security cameras and the like. So uh, we have a team that is going to be coming next Sunday as well. They were supposed to come today, but they'll be coming next Sunday, a couple of folks, an outside group that is going to help us evaluate and make sure we're doing the things necessary um, uh, that have been trained, that is their expertise, so that we can uh, protect ourselves and, God forbid, anything happen, we will be prepared. Um, uh, thankfully, 
uh, we prepared quickly when COVID hit, and that's why we have video communication and technology that we have put to work for us. So there is something uh, to be said about being prepared. So that's one item of business I wanted to let you know about. Uh, the second one is our church continues, which is another reason I really was uh, just very hesitant, not because uh, I don't believe the virus is uh, is uh, significant, but I was very hesitant about wanting to postpone services. We have had, as many of you know, many visitors uh, and we had four or five families that were going to be joining us today, if you're one of those families, thank you, for our new members class. Uh, that is postponed, and we'll pick back up next Sunday, um, uh, the 24th, next Sunday, during the small group time for our new members class uh, for that week, the 31st and the first Sunday of February for our new members class. All right? So we're grateful for that. And because of our growth, we're also looking about uh, and investigating what are the next steps we should be thinking about as a church. Our long-range uh, planning team, excuse me, has been investigating that and putting together some thoughts, which will be presented to the church at, at some point. Our first step is to find out what actually we can do uh, with our property and surveying and on and on and on and on. So. Uh, just want you to be praying about that. You'll be included. You'll be updated. No decisions are being made right now. Simply investigating uh, what we need to do. Uh, our community is growing, as uh, you are aware. Uh, and uh, the four-lane road that will soon be sometime this calendar year in front of our church, uh, much like Batesville Road, is going to change the dynamic of traffic in front of our church uh, to to an all-time high and even more crowded than it already is. So anyway, a lot of lot of things happening uh, in the midst of craziness. There's still ministry happening, and we thank God for that. So did want to update you that just as a way of uh, of uh, news and and housekeeping. Um, also, uh, as I think about these, I'll throw them out. Our uh, students were supposed to be having their winter conference this weekend. Um, already was postponed from the location in Spartanburg that they were supposed to have before we uh, decided to cancel services today. So that weekend, students is going to be rescheduled coming up in February. And uh, I, I, of all the people who have been affected by these cancellations and uh, uh, the COVID uh, virus, um, all of us have been affected, but especially our young people. And so uh, young people, students, teenagers, uh, children, I want you to know that I love you and, um, and our church loves you. And I know that you have um, faced a lot over the last year and sacrificed a lot. And I appreciate your patience. And I know God will reward uh, your patience. So anyway, all right, those, that's the housekeeping. Now, before we get into uh, our study for today, we've been studying the book of Mark. And I hope that you are studying at home. So just because we're not meeting in person doesn't let you off the hook. I hope you're meeting at home. If you missed it this past week on Tuesday night, I would encourage you to go back here on the YouTube channel or to scroll back to Tuesday on our Facebook page here and look at this past Tuesday because I delivered a message from Mark chapter 4 about the soil, the four kinds of soil. And I want to encourage you to go back and look at that. You were supposed to read Mark chapter 3, also on your own. Uh, last Sunday, I preached about vision for Vision Sunday, and we talked about Mark chapter 2. So Mark chapter 2, 
Mark chapter 3 was on your own. Mark chapter 4 was the video that's available uh, here on Facebook. Scroll back to Tuesday or look on the YouTube channel or on the church website or subscribe to the podcast, okay? A lot of ways that you can get it. A lot of ways that you can get it. Thanks to our media team and our communications, Kayla, for what she does, and Paul and the whole media team. So uh, so Mark chapter 4. Today, we're going to be looking at Mark chapter 5. Now, I have some good news. Uh, these wonderful books, we have more of them that have come in, all right? So if you didn't get one, next Sunday, the 24th, make sure that you get one of these. And I want to encourage you to be following along and uh, filling this out and making notes, all right? Because that's what I'm doing. Now, the front part of this has our uh, outlines for the Sunday school lessons. And you'll see today, Mark chapter 5, which you should be doing on your own, Mark chapter 5. Uh, there's a different part of that chapter uh, that you'll do in small groups, uh, which today is with yourself. You're the, your small group today. Next week, we'll get back to our small groups in person. Um, but I want to encourage you to go through that. And then in the back half is a place where you can take notes from today's sermon. Uh, and these outlines, we had to prepare these. The staff and I had to prepare these many weeks ago so that you would have them today. Uh, so Mark chapter 5, right there, Mark chapter 5 has the outline. Okay, there we go. For you to follow along for what we're going to do uh, today. All right, Mark chapter 5. All right, so let me pray. Uh, and then I've got something special for you. And then we're going to get into the message. Lord, thank you for today. Thank you for what you're doing in our church family. I do pray your protection on us. Uh, during this craziness, we have many folks in our church that need to be healed and touched by you. Uh, we have many family members that have been affected. And we don't take it lightly. So, God, I pray for your healing. I pray for deliverance. I pray for deliverance for us as a people, as a country, as a world. Uh, help us to learn what you wanted us to learn. And to speak to us to, through your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, uh, before we get into the sermon, I've asked a friend of mine to share one song with us today, um, and his name is Josh Wilson. Uh, the song is Pushing Back the Dark, Pushing Back the Dark, and I don't know about you, but uh, with weeks like we've had this week and what our culture is facing, it is easy, easy to grow weary. We talked about last week, Mark chapter 2, the paralytic, that some of us needed to come to Jesus and ask him to get us off of our mat and help us stand up. We're going to discover today that Jesus is the great healer. He's almighty, all-powerful. There's nothing that our God can't do. I have my notes here. I have my book here. And uh, we are going to look at Mark chapter 5, starting with verse 1. Mark is a big book. Uh, I want to encourage you, and you get through your small group study when we wrap up here, and you're doing your small group by yourself today or with your family. You'll read some more, the latter part of chapter 5, but we're going to look at uh, the first part of Mark chapter 5, verse 1. They came to the other side of the sea into the country of the Gerasenes. And when he, this time about Jesus, got out of the boat immediately, remember we said that Mark loves the word immediately, okay? Immediately, a man from the tombs with an unclean spirit met him, and he had his dwelling among the tombs. Literally, this guy lived among the dead people, 
Okay, he had been pushed out from society, ostracized from society, and pushed out and was living among the uh, the dead people. All right, and no one was able to bind him anymore, even with a chain. Now, biblical scholars say that this demoniac, this demon possessed man, was probably a Gentile, and he was unclean. Because of this demon, he was living in the tombs, living in Gentile territory. And we're finding out that his personality basically was to the point of, of insanity because of these demons that were um, uh, that had overtaken him. Uh, all right. And he had his dwelling among the tombs and no one was able to bind him anymore, even with a chain. Verse four, because he had often been bound with shackles and chains and the chains had been torn apart by him. Can you imagine? And the shackles broken in pieces, and no one was strong enough to subdue him. Can you imagine? Nobody's strong enough to subdue him, so they push him out into this area to live among the tombs. And constantly, verse 5, night and day, he was screaming among the tombs and in the mountains and gashing himself with stones. So get in your mind's eye the picture of this kind of guy that is coming to Jesus. Jesus gets out of the boat, and here comes this man approaching him, a man that nobody wanted anything to do with, a man that had been pushed away, a man who was screaming, who would break chains, all right? And this is what happens. Seeing Jesus from a distance, he ran up and bowed down before him. And shouting with a loud voice, he said, What business do we have with each other, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? I implore you by God, do not torment me. For he had been saying to him, Jesus had been saying to him, Come out of the man, you unclean spirit. And Jesus asked him, What is your name? And he said to him, My name is Legion, for we are many. And he began to implore him earnestly not to send them, the demons, out of the country. So there was a large herd of swine feeding nearby on the mountain. The demons implored him, saying, Send us into into the swine so we may enter them. And Jesus gave them permission And coming out, the unclean spirit entered into the swine. The herd rushed down the steep bank into the sea, about 2,000 of them, 2,000 pigs, that is, and they were drowned in the sea. Their herdsmen ran away and reported it to the city and in the country, and the people came to see what had happened. And they came to Jesus and observed that this man who had been demon-possessed, sitting down, clothed, and in his right mind, the very man who had the legion, and they became frightened. Those who had seen it described to them how it had happened to the demon-possessed man and about the swine, and they began to implore him to leave their region. And as he was getting into the boat, the man who had been demon-possessed was imploring him that he might accompany him. This man wanted to go with Jesus. And Jesus said, Jesus did not let him go, but said to him, Go home to your people and report to them what great things the Lord has done for you and how he has had mercy on you. And he went away and began to proclaim in Decapolis what great things Jesus had done for him. And everyone was amazed. Wow. Wow. One of the great things that we're going to discover as we study through the book of Mark, and especially some of these early chapters in the book of Mark, is the awesome power of of God. One of the things, uh, the awesome power of Jesus, one of the great things that Mark wants us to realize as we go through this book is who Jesus really is. And we we see all kinds of miracles. We see him uh, miraculous and powerful over demons, over sickness, over death, over the paralytic. Um, 
We see him talk about having faith to be powerful in Mark chapter 4 when we talked about the soil. We, we, uh, we read an earlier story, hopefully you read in Mark chapter 3, where also, again, Jesus was exemplified this power over demons. And here we have this man who had been breaking chains, physical chains, but Jesus had come to break a different kind of chain, the spiritual chain of bondage that he found himself in because of being possessed by uh, these demons and being uh, uh, insane. We know that this man probably more than likely was a Gentile. We know uh, because of the presence of the pigs uh, that give further evidence that this took place probably outside of Jewish Palestine. And so we have this man who has come uh, to Jesus, and Jesus turns the table on this, on this man, this man who's strong enough to rip, uh, rip apart chains and break apart chains. And uh, you think about it, it's pretty powerful when you think about uh, what Jesus uh, was facing. And it says that the man comes up and runs up to him and speaks for himself, or the demons spoke through him, and the demons employed the name and the title of Jesus. They come, the man bows down, knows who Jesus is, gives him the title, Most High God. And uh, in, in that day and age, many people thought um, that when you, uh, when something like that happened, that when the, the person who was demon-possessed if they were to name the person that they're talking to, that it gave them uh, the upper hand. That was kind of the superstition, that they would have the upper hand. And so Jesus, in turn, after the demons say to Jesus in verse 7, uh, what business do we have with each other? Jesus, son of the most high God. Jesus, in verse 9, turns around and says, you know my name, now I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask your name and, and, and make you answer. So uh, Jesus was addressing the superstition of the day because people thought, oh, my goodness, here's this guy who can break chains. He's demon-possessed. He's going against Christ. Um, as they're beginning to understand who he is in working these miracles, uh, he kind of thought that they, he may have the upper hand or people thought that he may have had the upper hand, but they realized quickly that that wasn't uh, the case. So there are kind of six things that we discover that I want to share with you quickly this morning. Uh, because I know we're not in person, and you can get stir-crazy there in your living room or wherever you might be watching. Just six things that I want to point out about Jesus that hopefully will bring you encouragement today. Six facts from this chapter, six truths from this chapter that we recognize about Jesus, the Jesus that we serve, uh, the one that helps us push back the dark. Here's the first one. Here, number one. Fact number one, even the demons know who Jesus is. Even the demons of hell know who Jesus is. You look at some of the things that are going on in our country and our world, and you can get very agitated, and I understand. And you think, how can people not understand? How can they not know what's going on? And the reality is, maybe they do. Maybe they do. You look at what's going on in our world, and... The truth of the matter is it is a spiritual thing that's happening. Uh, I'm not talking about specifically just politics alone. I'm talking about what's happening in our world, not between the right and the left, but between right and wrong. Uh, wow. Even the demons know who Jesus is. 
the demons of hell themselves bow down in front of Jesus and recognize his authority and his power. It's amazing. The Bible tells us that one day every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. You and I as followers of Jesus get to do that freely. But one day, every person, even those that you think will never bow the knee to Jesus, one day they will. Even the demons know who Jesus is. But the second fact that's true is Jesus has a power over demons and darkness. Think about it. Jesus Christ, God in the flesh, has the power. The Son of the Most High, as these legion of demons said to him, as they called him out by name. Almost just to kind of say to him, today we would say it this way, what, what, what have you got to do with me? What do you want to do with me? To call him out by name, this, this man, this de- the demons in this man coming to him and calling him out by name. Those demons, Jesus has the power over the demons and darkness. John, 1 John says it this way, Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. The Holy Spirit of God that lives within me lives within you if you're a child of God, a believer in Christ. That same Spirit, the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God, Jesus as the Spirit, has the power to overcome demons and darkness. The same Spirit that was in Jesus when he cast out this legion into the swine, swine, the pigs, and they ran over the mountainside, is the same Spirit that dwells within me and you to overcome the demons and darkness. Now, I I don't... I don't know what that says to you. I don't know if that empowers you. I hope it does. I don't know if it freaks you out. I remember years ago, growing up as a teenager, we used to go to the the hollers, as they called them, the hollers, the backwoods of Kentucky, and we would do vacation Bible schools. And I remember going to this one country church way out in the middle of nowhere, and I remember us we were we had gone visiting door to door to invite people to Bible school. And I remember on that first day of Bible school as we were heading to the church, there was this young girl and she maybe was ten or eleven years old. And I remember walking up to her and saying, Hey, are you gonna walk with us to church? And this very evil presence kinda enveloped me. And and her face almost contorted and she looked at me and real mean. I couldn't understand what she said, and she she actually ran off, and, and she actually ran around the back of the church. And so I thought, well, did I say something wrong? I was kind of naive. I didn't know what's happening, so I, I kind of chased her. And she ran into the the church and ran into a, the bathroom and shut the door. And I remember grabbing somebody else and walking to the bathroom door and saying, hey, sweetheart, come on out. You know, we want to have Bible school. We want And it sounded like a freight train in that bathroom, tearing the bathroom apart and glass, the glass mirror breaking and all kinds of stuff going on. I don't know uh, because I was so young and I don't remember it all uh, too vividly other than what I just shared. I don't know if she was demon-possessed or not. I kind of think maybe probably so. This is the first time I'd ever seen anything like that. And there are all kinds of reasons why sometimes that happens to people. And that's that's a topic for another day, perhaps another sermon. But all that to say, I know this. 
we began to pray for her and pray over her, even standing outside the bathroom, not knowing what all was going on. And there was everything calmed down. And she came out quietly. And some adults started to talk to her, and I don't know much about what happened after that. But, but all that to say, here's what I do know. And I've seen other sim- similar, similar things as I've gotten older in other parts of the world sometimes more visible, sometimes uh, it's not as visible here in the States that people are perhaps demon-possessed, and they may, may very well be, but they're able to um, disguise it. The demons are more clever to disguise it so that we don't see it uh, with our physical eyes. But he, anyway, here's the point. The point is this. Jesus has a power over all that. We don't have to fear it. We don't have to be afraid of it. We don't have to be scared about it. Jesus has the power over the demons in darkness. Isn't that amazing? Here's the third thing I get from this this story. Number three, people love to report great transformations. People love to report great transformations, great events, great miracles. The people, when they see this happen, there was this large herd. Jesus commands the demons to go into the swine. They go, they run down the hill. The herdsmen run away. The herdsmen who were over the swine, were taking care of the swine, they run away and they go report it to the city and in the whole country, it says, and people came out of the woodwork to see what, was, what had happened and they came back to Jesus and they saw this man that everyone had said, this guy's demon-possessed. This is the guy who lives out by the tombs. This is the guy who lives with the dead people. This is the guy who breaks all the chains. This is the guy that we can't subdue. you got to come see him because he's calmed down and this guy named Jesus has something happened. He sent the demons that were inside this guy into a bunch of pigs and they went over the hill and, and they died. So they've heard this story and now they've come back to see this because of the excitement of this great transformation that they've heard. People love to hear about great transformations. And you know what? All of us have a story of transformation if we know Jesus. And a lot of times we don't think people really care about it. People do love great stories of transformation, miracles, events, things that can encourage them. And here's the other thing, verse 4, people, or number 4, people will always be observant of great transformations. Not only love to report them, but they'll be observant. You've got one group of people that will love to go report the awesome thing that they saw, like the herdsman who ran off. Some people came back to see because they wanted to see for themselves, and people will always be observant of great transformations, but sometimes they have a different response. Let's see what the response is. Verse 15 says, They came to Jesus, observed the man who had been demon-possessed. He was sitting down, clothed. Most biblical scholars say that this guy who was demon-possessed was running around in chains and broken all these shackles and was running around insane may have been running around completely unclothed and here this guy is sitting down clothed in his right mind and what happens interesting response verse 15 they became frightened they became frightened were they not frightened before were they not frightened before when he was demon possessed when he was living among the tombs i don't know Because now it says they saw him calm and clothed, and now they were frightened. They became frightened. So maybe they weren't frightened before. 
Maybe they thought before, well, he's demon-possessed, but we've got him out of the way. He's up there living among the dead, and he's out of the picture. But uh-oh, now, now what's happened? He's, he's, he's changed. He's changed. Can I, can I just say, for some of us, we have a, a history that maybe uh, we were an enemy of God, all of us have been an enemy of God, but maybe our testimony, we were involved in some things that were just not great before we came to Christ. And people maybe had written you off and just kind of said, well, that's the way they are. And it's almost safe because, okay, that's the box that we've put that person in or maybe you've been put in. That's just the way they are. And then God does a work in your life and changes you, rearranges you. You're new. You're in your right mind. You know who you are in Jesus. And maybe now they're frightened. Maybe now they're frightened. Has that ever happened to you? You know, I really, late in my teenagers, really surrendered to the Lord and tried to get my life really straightened out and living for Him. Made some people frightened and some people uncomfortable. <laughs> oh, he's taking this thing a little more serious now. It's going to cause me to be uncomfortable. It's going to cause me to be frightened. Jesus has a way of creating sometimes that emotion or that atmosphere when he does his work in somebody's life. Sometimes people are going to be frightened. You know, I look at what God's on Honestly, I look at what God is doing in our church. I'm so, uh, I'm so humbled. I'm so excited. I'm so thankful to God. I look at what he's doing in our church and, and in, in a lot of churches. And sometimes in church work and in church ministry, Sometimes we get comfortable with the way things are. Well, it's always, that's the way it is. And then when God starts to do something new, wow, this has changed. We start to get frightened. Don't be frightened. Don't be frightened. When God is a part of the transformation, it's good. It's always good when he's a part of the transformation. Wherever he's taking us is going to be good. And I have to find confidence and peace in that because sometimes... Uh, you may think this is not true about me because I know we've had a lot of change since I've been here because of a lot of things and COVID being one of those, but we can get comfortable. I can get comfortable. These people were comfortable with what they knew about this demon-possessed man because that's who he was. They knew he that's who he was. And then all of a sudden this transformation happens. It's, it's the unknown. Oh, my gosh, well, now we don't know what he's going to do because he's changed. He's, he's different. He's unknown. That what's happening to him is unknown. So people always be observant of great transformations, and they may be frightened, or they may ask questions. And they began to ask questions. They they had seen it. They started asking Jesus how it had to happen. How, in verse sixteen, how did this demon possess a man? How, how did that happen? How did the demons go into the spine? How did, they started to ask questions. Questions are great. Questions are okay. Listen, we can handle questions. God can handle the questions. And then I see number five, just real quick, two more, number five. Fact number five is they asked Jesus to leave because of this. What? What? Did you see that? Jesus came in and brought transformation to somebody, cast demons out of somebody, set somebody free, and what do they ask about Jesus? They ask him to leave. 
those who had seen it happen, they began to implore him, verse 17, to leave their region. Please leave. Please leave. Wow. Does that happen today? Yeah. It happens today. It happens sometimes in our lives. We ask God to do a work in our life. He does some things in our life. Sometimes it messes up our plan. And sometimes we're like, God, just leave me alone. And yet he wants what's best for us. He wants what's best for us individually. He wants what's best for us in our church. I've been a part of some churches in the past, and I thank God that I'm in a church now that this is not the case. But where when God started showing up, the people wanted him to leave. And not only wanted him to leave, but they wanted anybody who was partnering with God to accomplish something to leave. You're like, really? Does that happen? Yeah. I've been a part of a church in the past where before it was all said and done, they asked God to leave and all the staff to leave. And that church to this day, that's been a couple of decades almost ago, that church to this day still doesn't have a pastor. So we've got to be careful and we've got to be in tune to God's spirit and see what he's doing. Um, because the people asked Jesus to leave. Last thing, number six. Uh, number six, we may want to leave with Jesus too, but we have to stay and proclaim what he's done. This guy, when Jesus, when they asked Jesus to leave, the man who'd been healed by Jesus, this demon-possessed man, started imploring him with a different request. The people were imploring Jesus to leave, and as Jesus got in the boat to get ready to leave, the man who'd been possessed started imploring to Jesus, well, if you're leaving, I want to go with you. Take me with you. I want to go with you. But Jesus said to him, you got to go home to your people and report to them what great things the Lord has done for you and how he had mercy on you. In other words, you've got work to do here. You've got work to do here. You could stay with me, be around all these miracles all the time and stay on the spiritual mountain, but I have a job for you to do. Friends, God has a job for us to do. And uh, I am thankful to be a part of that with you, my friends at Crossroads. Today, as you're watching, uh, I want to encourage you that as you uh, study through your small group material on your own today and you look at uh, the rest of this chapter, you'll find out about uh, Jairus, the, um, the story of Jairus, the young daughter who was sick and she was dying. You'll find see other miracles of Jesus and how Jesus was approached and how he responded and there's there's some questions that i want you to spend some time kind of answering there at the end of the small group study and some of these questions i would just ask you myself today as we wrap up studying about the demoniac and that is um do you need the healing power of jesus i do i do we sometimes forget that jesus cares about our physical needs we've got covid going on right now does jesus care he does care he cares are you as desperate for the power of God as this man was who Jesus healed, this demon-possessed man? No, they're asking you to leave. I'm, can I go with you? I want to go with you. I want to be with you. I want to be with you. I don't know what the prayer of your heart is today, but I want you to know that I'm praying for you. And uh, get into this study. Please don't get left behind. I promise you it's going to be a great uh, a great source of uh, strength for our church family, I believe, as we continue to study through the book of Mark. All right.
Hey, as we wrap up, next Sunday, as I mentioned, the plan as of today, next Sunday, uh, back for worship. Again, if you're sick, please stay home. Um, if you don't feel well, please stay home. Uh, but if you can safely come to church, and most of us can, most of us can. This is not an excuse to stay away. Most of us can. Uh, mask and all those things are available. Hand sanitizers available. Uh, I would ask our church to refrain from our normal fellowship. I know we kind of slid back into that, the high fives, the hugs. Uh, it's really difficult because I want to hug everybody. I really do. But uh, let's be safe. And next Sunday, we'll gather together. Next Sunday, by the way, Adrian Dupre. Adrian Dupre, who's been on the calendar, will be here to speak. And I want to show you just a quick video to remind you about that. Uh, you can share this video on social media. It's a standalone video on Facebook. But this is um, will be a part of the service today as we wrap up. Adrian, and then uh, some time for you to pray here as we wrap up. All right, see you next Sunday. Sunday, January 24th at 9.30 for worship. Please join us at Crossroads Church where Adrian Dupre, he engages generation to passionately follow after Jesus Christ. You may know Adrian not only as a gifted speaker who's inspiring and challenging people all over the world, but he also played football for Furman University in Greenville, South Carolina, and for 15 years served as the chaplain for the University of South Carolina Gamecocks football team. Speaking around the globe each and every year, his ministry reaches thousands of people, and you can hear him at Crossroads Church coming up again on Sunday, January 24th at 930. I hope you'll join us for worship.